Dear Jesus, I will go where there are no easy roads. We resonate with David's testimony. We resonated with Nathan's testimony. This idea of testimonies, it must be a big deal to you. Look at this story. Can you believe this story? Oh, Jesus, through the mighty Holy Spirit, make it clear, please, as we plunge into the Word these few moments we have, we pray in Your name. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a young man who grew up to become a demoniac. Not a field of major study that you choose when you go off to college, for sure. But it happened. Somewhere in the boy's childhood or youth, there was that yielding of his life to the dark side one too many times. I suppose it might have been some addiction, perhaps some sensual bondage, perhaps some flirting with the occult. I don't know. But it happened, that dark day when for the last time he yielded control and with all of hell's fury, they moved in and possessed him. In the ancient East, you ought to understand, they, they don't have any concept of mental illness and they hardly had a concept of demonic possession. It was just something you don't want. And so if a person began to display these peculiar, rather weird traits, villagers would bind them up with ropes just to, during these moments of rage. But if the violence increased, the villagers knew irons, chains, manacles on wrists and feet. And if these outbursts, these rages continued, they would drag him to some solitary place beyond earshot, beyond, beyond recall, where his howling and screaming and his foaming and gnashing would not be a visible embarrassment to our community. But never could he be dragged beyond the minds of those who loved him and who remembered him. Dr. Luke comes along and describes this demoniac as one who has lived for, as Luke puts it, for a long time without house and without clothes. The man is naked. When the villagers dragged him manacled away from their town, they found near the eastern shore of Galilee, right on the shore, a tall limestone cliff peppered with caves and man-made caverns where the corpses of the deceased were left. It was an ancient burial site. They considered the spirit unclean, and this is an unclean place, and this is where you live. Matthew comes along and adds the detail that the, the demoniac's violent attacks became so deadly that the travelers would no longer travel down that piece of the eastern highway. Go around. I don't want to risk my life. All three synoptics agree. What was left of the chains now dangle and clang when he moves naked through the tombs. Mark's description, the most dramatic and fierce, is the one I want to go to with you. So open your Bible, please, to the fifth chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, I'll be in the New International Version. You pull out whatever you have. 
on your device or on your Bible. You don't have a Bible, pull out the pew Bible in front of you. You can find Mark, Mark 5, second book of the New, Test, uh, New Testament, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, let's pick it up in verse 1. And they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. This is the eastern side, pagan side of Galilee. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him now. No, no, no. Night and day, verse 5, night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones, cutting himself in his rage and possession. People would hear this spine tingling, this, this blood curdling, middle of the night, shriek, howl in the distance. Is it an animal? Is it a beast? Is it a cat? Is it a dog, a wolf? What is it? Night and day. I heard, I heard this last week, a university co-ed being interviewed on WBB, WBBM radio out of Chicago News Radio, another sexual attack on a lone female near a university campus in Chicago. Now, this woman, this young co-ed is talking. Not, she's not the victim. And she's describing to the reporter, I know that, I know that street. I would never go on, on, that, on that street at 1.30 in the morning. I always, if I ever have to go down there, I'm always, somebody's with me. That was a road by the haunt where the demoniac eked out an existence. Desire of Ages powerfully captures the composite of the three synoptic accounts. I'm going to put the words on the screen for you because sometimes when you read the words, the picture becomes even more vivid in your mind, all right? So Desire of Ages is classic on the life of Christ. The words on the screen. In the early morning, the Savior and His companions came to shore, and the light of the rising sun touched sea and land as with the benediction of peace. And I want to tell you, when they stepped onto that chilly, rocky coastline, it is with a sigh of relief. They are standing on terra firma again. They about all went to Davy Jones' locker last night in the middle of the night. That boat was supposed to be on the bottom of the sea. A monstrous gale swamped the boat and was sinking it. Had not Jesus awakened from his sleep and raised his hand. Oh, it's good to be back on land. That's what's happening here. But no sooner, here you go, but no sooner had they stepped upon the beach than their eyes were greeted by a sight more terrible than the fury of the tempest from some hiding place among the tombs. Two madmen rushed upon them as if to tear them in pieces. Hold it right there. I said, hey, I thought you said there's one. Well, actually, there are two. You see, there are three, three accounts. Only one of the accounts is written by an eyewitness. Matthew was the only eyewitness. Mark wasn't there. It's the gospel according to Peter. So Mark wrote what Peter told him. Luke did the research and wrote it down. Apparently, one of the two is so demonic and so, so f- ferocious that that's all they can remember. Those who remembered, that's the one they remembered. He's our man, this young man turned demoniac. Okay, keep reading. So the two madmen rushed upon them as if to tear them in pieces. Now, watch. Here comes the picture. Hanging about these men were parts of chains 
clang, 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 dangle, dangle, clink, 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 clink. Parts of chains which they had broken in, in escaping from confinement. Their flesh is torn and bleeding where they had cut themselves with sharp stones. Bloody, coagulated blood, black and blue bruises. They're naked. Their eyes glared out from their long and matted hair. The very likeness of humanity seemed to have been blotted out by the demons that possessed them, and they looked more like wild beasts than like men, end quote. I don't know about you, but if I had been standing in that little pack of men that early morning and I had heard that blood-curdling shriek that shattered the early calm, I know exactly what my next move would have been. Just like Peter, James, John, Matthew, Thomas, Andrew, Simon, Bartholomew, Judas, the other James, Thaddeus, and Philip knew, exit, stage left, we're out of here. And they're stampeding over each other to get into the boat, and Peter bellows, push it off. There it glides to safety. (sighs) Whoa, that was something. Man, I thought last night was a close call. That was terrible. Let's do a quick head count. Jesus, 12 heads whirl around back to the shore. Desire of Ages picks it up right there. Jesus was standing where they had left him. (laughs) Nobody thought, hey, yo, Jesus, I'm with you all the way. No, adios. He was standing right where they left him. And, oh, I love this picture of Jesus. I just love this. Lock this in your mind. He who had stilled the tempest who had before met Satan and conquered him, did not flee from these demons. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me. In this world below. Anywhere. I love this picture of Jesus. You are never alone. In the darkest, dirtiest street in the inner city, you are never alone. Ever. When the men, okay, now, when the men gnashing their teeth, so they're all looking from the skiff now, when the men gnashing their teeth and foaming at the mouth approached him, Jesus raised that hand which had beckoned the waves last night to rest, and the men could come no nearer, no further. There's no panic. There's no accelerated pulse rate. He just... And they stood raging, but helpless before him. They can't move. Verse 6, and when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he stood there and he fell on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, in God's name? Don't torture me. The demoniac, paralyzed, suddenly realizes as he's standing there helpless, he's in the presence of one who is friend, not foe. And in that dim mind, he goes to his knees to cry out for deliverance. But when he opens his mouth to speak, another force takes that voice and speaks instead. Bloodied, naked, demoniac. And the voice speaks inside. 
What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God. You know what? That cannot be the demoniac's voice. Come on, it can't be. He's never met Jesus. He has no idea who, has no clue who the stranger is. But somebody inside of him knows. He knows exactly before whom he is halted now. What do you want with me? And now I want you, this, 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 is, this is just a fascinating piece of dialogue. You remember that next line? I'll put it on the screen for you again. Next line there in verse 7. This is, the, this is the demon speaking out of the demoniac in God's name. And in the Greek, it is, a, it is, it is an, an oath prelude. I adjure you. I'm going to make you swear to, do, to not do what? Do not torture me. Hey, come on, come on, come on. Time out, time out. Where did this demon, this fallen angel who once lived in the blissful precincts of heaven, where did he come up with this idea that God was somebody to be afraid of and not a friend of? He knows. But somebody, somebody has even sold a bill of goods to his associates. And the demon believes. That this one can torture him. The same someone, by the way, I'm imagining, who took a handful of Bible verses and then concocted the faith-destroying, infidel-birthing notion that if you don't come to God, He will torture you for the rest of your eternity. Same one. And the demon believes it. Don't torture me. I beg of you. Wow. In fact, the demon is so scared, he has interrupted Jesus. Now, we don't know he's interrupted Jesus because Mark holds Jesus' comment till after the demon speaks. But look at verse 8. Then Jesus asked him... No, no, verse 8. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm reading verse 9. <laughs> I thought that sounded weird. Verse 8. For Jesus had said... He's already said this. Jesus had already said, Yo, I'm speaking to you. Once he said that, then the demon responds. But now we know what Jesus said that incited this uh, conversation. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this woman. Come out of this man, you filthy spirit. He said, Dwight, not me. That's probably not. But don't get yourself, uh, don't get yourself lullabied into thinking it can't happen. You may consider yourself a bright intellectual. You got a command of the English language. You got a command of knowledge. Wow. Or you may consider yourself a, a high-fiving, party-till-you-drop kind of guy. It doesn't matter. The devil does it. You can be bright. You can be dumb. It doesn't matter to him. He possesses whoever opens the door for him. That's how it works, which is why be careful. Be very careful. Because you can open the door inadvertently, like, uh, like uh, this is no big deal. But you keep doing what is no big deal, and some, some little voice in your, in your mind is saying, this is a big deal, don't do it. You keep doing that, and the devil will get you to cut a Faustian bargain. That means cutting a bargain with him, a covenant of peace. I'll accept you if you'll just leave me alone. That's what the devil wants. By the way, there's nobody ever says, oh, Satan is my Lord. The devil knows nobody falls for that line. You know what the devil does instead? 
The devil's most successful deception is to entice us to choose ourselves as Lord. I am my own Lord, and he who has himself for a Lord is soon chained to the Lord of self. Gotcha. Nobody's immune. But I have some very, authority of this story this morning, some very, very good news for you because there is someone in this universe with a word of supernatural authority. I have all power, all authority under heaven and earth who can speak a word. And what is enchaining you right now, what is enslaving you right now, he can speak a word and shatter that chain and set you free. He's a Jesus in this story. All it takes is one word from him. Come out of her. Come out of him, you filthy spirit. I'm talking to you. Come out. You may not even be able to formulate the prayer at that moment when you realize there's something else going on here. But look at this text. I put it on the screen for you. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And by the way, if your mouth is immobile, all you have to do is think it in your mind. If you think in your mind that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved just like that. You will be saved. That's a promise. You will be saved. You know why? Because Calvary's Lord. Did you ever see uh, the Passion of the Christ? And he saw Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and Satan is illustrated by the serpent, which he is. And you remember that moment when the sandal comes down on that serpent's head? Calvary is where the Son of God crushed the head of the serpent. In fact, Mark, in a very cryptic way, wants to make that point here. You wouldn't catch it just hurrying through, but Mark has embedded two words here. You know when it says the, the, the demoniac shouted at the top of his voice? The two words are megalophone in the Greek, loud, loud voice. Megalophone, from whence comes our English word, megaphone, all right? So when he shouts me, with a megalophone, Mark takes those same two words, and at the end, in the Calvary story, in Mark chapter 15, he will insert those words. Mark 15, verse 34, and then Jesus cried out, it reads, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, megalophone, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why, you, why have you forsaken me? That's the moment when the universe knew the price had been paid and the serpent had been crushed. Mark embeds that very good news in this narrative of the demoniac. Wow. You have chosen as your Lord. You have chosen as your Lord one who has already crushed the head of your enemy. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. You stay with him. Yeah. Wow. But the dialogue goes on. Verse 9, then Jesus asked him, you know, he's speaking directly to the demon. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. And he, the demon, begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. In, in, in the synoptics, it's clear that the demons are asking, are begging not to be sent to the Abyss, the abyss. In the book of Revelation, the abyss is the bottomless pit. This is where you meet your final judgment. Don't send me. Don't send me to the final judgment. Please, I beg of you. You have, you have somewhere else you want to go? We'll take the swine. 
a place a demon can be comfortable with. We'll take the swine. Verse 13, and he gave them permission. By the way, who's in charge here? Is the demon in charge? Is the demoniac in charge? Or is it the deliverer named Jesus Christ? He gives the permission. He makes the decision. He gave them permission. They were under his command. He's the supreme ruler of this universe. And he gave them permission, verse 13, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs and the herd. About 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those poor pig keepers, they are beside themselves. Look at verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported. Anybody they ran into reported this in the town and in the countryside. And all the people, here they come. Now, the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, whoa, not only are there 12,000 carcasses floating on the Sea of Galilee, but when they come to Jesus, they saw the man. This is the one we manacled. They saw the boy who grew up in our village. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there and dressed. I thought he was naked. Yeah, well, this is the first Dorcas Society meeting right here because the disciples looked at this naked man and said, hey, you need to go, buddy. And they started taking their clothes off, what they could spare, and they wrapped him up. They gave. God's never going to do either clothes. No. Why would God do what you can do for him? You want to do something for the inner city? Go. You want to help? Help. You're not going to do it. You've got what he needs. So they look at him, and here is this demoniac dressed and in his right mind. And can you believe this? And they were afraid. Now, remember, they're pagans. Verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Why, oh, why would anybody ask the deliverer to get out of here? I'll tell you why. This isn't rocket science. But if this man has that much supernatural power, it is possible that he might turn that power on me and I have, shh, I have my own favorite demons that I don't want to get rid of. Although, why would anybody say go? Why would anybody say no to the deliverer of the universe? But he honored them. You don't want me? And by the way, you don't want Jesus? Out. He's gone. And the story ends with the man set free, walking quietly down to the boat with Jesus. He has had at best, I suppose, an hour at the most of time alone with his Savior. I wonder what Jesus told him in, those, in that quiet conversation. I don't know, but his heart is so is overwhelmed with gratitude and love for this man who has set him free, and he's thinking to himself, I've got to stay with him. I just have to. I've got to stay with him. Verse 18, and as Jesus was getting into the boat, sure enough, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Please let me go. Just let me stay with you. And Jesus... No, Jesus did not let him, but he said instead, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
And as Peter shoves that skiff away, and Jesus glides back out onto the lake, he waves again to the man set free. And the man set free can hear his words, go home, go to your own people, and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Here's a question. How much has the Lord done for you? And here's my answer. He's done way more for you than he did for that demoniac. Look, I went online this last week. I said, I got to figure out these pigs. So I went online. I said, okay, how much does a pig cost? Let's put it on the screen. 76 cents a pound. We've got a special today if you need some. Okay, so we got a pig, 76 cents a pound. That was, uh, 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 excuse me, set for three days ago on the uh, market. Then I say, okay, so he's 76 a pound. How much does an average, they call them lean hogs. How much does an average lean hog weigh? And I went on Google, and I found out that an average lean hog, you'll be happy to know this, weighs 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. So now, I'm not real bright, but I'm saying I could do some arithmetic here. I could find out how much that lean hog is worth. And so I did the arithmetic, and guess what I found out? Put it on the screen. I found out $190 a hog. Whoo! Well, now I have 2,000 of those, so I did the quick arithmetic, and 2,000 of them equals, guess what? Put it up, $380,000. To save two demoniacs, Jesus just spent $380,000. And I need you to know you are worth way more than that to Jesus. Because when you die, when you go to Calvary where he died, you are looking at the truth. Put it on the screen, Christ's object lessons. You are looking at the truth that if there had been but one lost soul, Christ would have died for that one. Do you understand this? You are so special to God. I don't know where you're from. I don't know who you are. I know your name's up there. Maybe it's not up there. But you are so special to God that he would have emptied, he emptied the treasury of heaven just for you. Man, he must have a dream for your life to beat the band. You are special to the God of this universe. No wonder you're here at Andrews University. No wonder he's already putting the dream together. Man, Calvary, Calvary. You're worth an infinity to him. Wow. And by the way, if someone has paid that high a price for you, you will tell everybody you know about that gift, won't you? Verse 20. Verse 20, the last line of the story, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, ten cities in the pagan side, eastern side of Galilee, he began to tell everybody in those ten cities how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. 
No wonder Desire of Ages puts it this way. Our confession of His faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ in the world. These precious acknowledgments, call them testimonies, these testimonies to the praise of the glory of His grace. Has God done something in your life? Has He ever blessed you real good? Just you're saying a word about what He has done. That is heaven's strategy. These testimonies, read it again, these precious acknowledgments to the praise of the glory of His grace, when supported by a Christ-like life, have an irresistible power that works for the salvation of souls, end quote. You know what? If there's one thing we needed this new school year, we're not at the new school year yet, but if there's one thing we needed this new school year, it is the irresistible power that works for the salvation of souls. Power. Power. Which is why, by the way, the very well-known writer and speaker, three weeks from this very moment, will be standing here. His name is Ty Gibson. In three weeks from this very moment, Ty begins a full-court press night and day leading us to the Savior with irresistible power. And if you make a friend between now and then who needs to meet the Savior that you signed up for, talk to that friend. Make sure that friend is in this place night and day for one week. That's why irresistible power. How many on this campus desperately need Jesus? Maybe the roommate you've been assigned to. I don't know. Your testimony, your word for Christ, heaven's strategic weapon to reach that old planet on that banner overhead. I know you have a testimony for Jesus. Come on. Look, there's your name. You got a testimony for Jesus. Last night is your testimony. What you decided, that's your testimony. Why'd you choose Jesus? You put a few sentences to that. You got a testimony now. I know that there will be more than one on this campus this new year who will need the power that will be unleashed, irresistible power that will be unleashed through your testimony. Speak. You a young professional in the community, are you? Not so young professional? Speak. Irresistible power. The truth is, in Christ, you have what God needs to turn the world upside down. That's the truth. Oh, and by the way, it works. Do you know that this demoniac now, the man, the, the man set free, the young man set free, do you know that he, meets, he gets together with Jesus? He meets him again in nine months. But in that nine-month span, something has happened. And guess what? When Jesus comes back to this region, hold on, for over, because we know the number, over 4,000 people have come to meet this Jesus that this boy has been talking about. Because if whoever has done this in that life, i got to meet that Jesus too. They had no time for him. Begged him to leave in the beginning, but they could hardly wait for him to come back by the thousands. And that was Jesus' brilliant strategy. Don't you come with me. Boy, you go back to those who know you best. You tell them my story. Tell them my mercy. And they came. Truth is, in Christ you have what God needs to turn this campus and this world upside down. So please, share.
your testimony.